Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax, you have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax, join in with us. Listen on, be blessed. Defenders of Grace. everyone and welcome to another edition and another year of the Guardians of Grace podcast. I'm with my longtime friend, aged only by his spirit of wisdom and revelation <laughs> and the knowledge of God. And I pray today that we would be encouraged and heart united in love, that we'd have the full riches of complete understanding, that we would know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden, what Grace Guard don't see? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are yours for the asking. Yes, Father. No purchase necessary. No. That would actually be a great subject to do a podcast on are those prayers that Paul prayed over the Ephesians and the Colossians. All you have to do is ask and join the Guardians of Grace podcast. Become a follower and you'll receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation. No, that is true. That for some reason, Guardians of Grace, that seems to be a strong suit for Guardians of Grace. I literally believe and honestly believe that by praying those prayers, you can receive a tangible spirit of wisdom and revelation and be able to pick up and comprehend what the Bible is saying better than you ever have before just because of those prayers. There's at least five or six of them, and I think they deal with, I would say, mankind at his greatest need is this need to be, what, loved unconditionally, accepted unconditionally. But the heart of fallen man is a Pharisee heart. What can I do to get God's acceptance, which leads... Go ahead. It's because we want God to love us. We all genuinely want God's love and we want his approval. We always have. We've always felt like we come up short and everything. But the good news, that's what the gospel is trying to tell us, that we have God's love and we have his approval. Without earning it, he loves us because he is love. And that's one of the things the prayers actually talk about. I want you to see how wide and long and high and deep is this love of God and know this love that surpasses human intellect. Your, Your human brain cannot absorb how much God loves you. It goes past the ability of a human to comprehend it. That's why we've got those 
passages in in First Corinthians that tell us we have not received the spirit that is from the world, but the spirit that is from God, so we may understand all that God has freely given us. And these are scriptures that we're, we're actually quoting scriptures. It's the Bible that says those things, that we've received the spirit that is from God, and it searches the deep things of God. It searches how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God. And it tells us what no human mind or human ears or the human heart can understand. It tells us about this plan that God has for us, this good and awesome plan that he has for us, but it's not humanly comprehended. It's by this spirit we comprehend this thing. What spirit? The spirit that we have received when we were born again. The spirit that God promised us in Ezekiel and Jeremiah when he said, I'll make a new covenant with you and I will put my spirit in you. And on the day of Pentecost, that spirit came down and began to enter people to live in the, that spirit of Christ in you, the hope of glory lives in you. That's why in the last verse of 1 Corinthians 2, it can says, you have the mind of Christ. Literally have the mind that of the person who wrote the whole book. He's got the ability to understand the book and if you're not trying to humanly comprehend it through academia and, you know, not putting down colleges or anything, but through colleges and really trying to get into it as hard as you can academically, that's not how it's done. It's done by these prayers, really. They're more valuable than, than the idea of university. You could say, not, not putting down university, but giving those prayers the value that they have, the value that they're due. Those prayers are valuable. They will help you comprehend Bible passages that you could not comprehend before. You'll get more out of the university by that spirit of wisdom and revelation than you would just going to the university, a even man. with an amazing brain. Yes. And absorbing all that, getting 100s on all the tests and an A-plus GPA, still not being able to comprehend how high and how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, like you were just saying, surpasses university degrees, surpasses PhDs in theology. What is, how does that end? And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. And then it says, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine through his spirit that dwells in you. And didn't he just give four measurements in the prayer? Yes. Height, depth, width, 
Lee, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you would know this love that surpasses knowledge. And then he says, It's immeasurable. <laughs> it's immeasurable. It's immeasurable. Humanly speaking, it, it, it cannot be measured. That's why it's the university of the Holy Spirit is where you want to be. You want the spirit of wisdom and revelation in you. That's why First John 2 would say, hey, you have the anointing and you need not that a man teach you anything, but the anointing is real and not counterfeit and it teaches you, it guides you into all truth. And what does it do? It teaches you to abide in Christ, not in human intellect, not in human capacity, not in human determination or effort, but abide in the power of the person who is inside of you that you received on the day when you received the gospel and you received Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is who you rely on to understand the Bible. And that's what the prayers do. They actually pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I'm referring specifically to the one in Ephesians chapter 1. Yeah, and it's the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the epinosis of him, uh, superimposed knowledge, or you could say knowledge that's beyond the mind. And then the one in Ephesians 3, for this reason I kneel before the Father, for whom everyone in heaven and earth derives its name, that out of his glorious riches he would give us, I'm mixing my two prayers together. Yeah, it's actually in one he would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, and in three he would would strengthen strengthen us. us. That's right. Yeah. So three, he says, I pray that the he would strengthen us with power in our inner man. Yes. Our innermost being. Strengthen us with power to do what? Do something mighty? To do something for God? It, it actually is not strengthening you to do anything for God. He's strengthening us with power in our innermost being. That means our spirit. Where Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. That word dwells is oikonoma, probably pronouncing it wrong. Be at home is really what it means. Dwell comfortably. Dwell comfortably in our hearts through faith. Not battling against the flesh. The flesh wars against the spirit. The spirit wars against the flesh, so you don't always do what you want. But this is saying that the spirit would dwell comfortably it's that word we got for our home, our, our house, household. We're to have no hassle in our castle. No hassle in the castle. The spirit is to dwell there comfortably. And it strengthens us not to do something, but it strengthen us, strengthens us to comprehend something. Amen. To grasp something. And what it comprehends us to do is grasp how what high and wide and long and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that's our Gnosko word that can literally be 
um, translated experience this love that surpasses knowledge. Plus, it has an epi in front of it, so it's a superimposed experiential knowledge of how high and wide and long and deep is the love of, love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Right. We can actually experience that love, that love that goes past human love. That's why Peter could say, no, I only phileo you, Jesus, when Jesus was saying, Peter, do you agape me? And he's going, no, I only phileo you. I only brotherly love you. But here in this prayer, he's saying that you could experience agape, true agape love, the love of the father for a child, that sacrificial love that would give the child anything at no cost, Versus the child's love, which loves the father because he has supplied everything. That's the, that's actually the original meaning of the eros love. Eros yeah. love, phileo love, and agape love were all about the love of the family. The love of the father for the child is the agape love. The brotherly love is the between the brothers, the phileo, and the eros love is the, it's it literally says the sum total of all self-preservative instincts. In other words, the child's love is, I know that you provide me everything and I'm going to run to you when I'm scared. I'm going to run to you when I get a boo-boo. I'm going to run to you when I'm hungry. I'm going to run to you when my diapers are full. I depend on you, and that is a child's love the way it was described in the Greek, which is so much more descriptive than the English language. We're trying to have the be strengthened in our inner being to be able to understand this super love. Yeah, and it it's uh, like he just said, well, in First John it says we love because he first loved us. The only way you can love God is to know you're loved by God. And the only way you can know you're loved by God in this way is by this prayer, is by a spiritual revelation that goes beyond academic knowledge. And so he's praying that we would know this love that surpasses knowledge. And what we're getting at is the most, the, I would say the common denominator in all humanity is every person has this need to be loved and accepted unconditionally. A great example of that is of course, Jesus, because he loved the unlovable. Mm, that's big, Bill. That's yeah. big. <laughs> I know you're a fan of The Chosen. And, yeah. Uh, have you yeah. gotten season three yet? I have not gotten season three at all, and I've tried and tried and tried and tried. I loved season one and two. I thought it was the most phenomenal, spirit-led piece of film work that I've ever seen in my life, it made me cry. I 
felt so many emotions watching that and they were all good emotions. I never had a single bad emotion. I was always uplifted and I always felt good in my spirit after each and every episode. That's why I can't say enough about The Chosen. I recommend to everybody that you watch The Chosen because it's a great way to see the actual spirit of God in action. They brought about one scene I thought so describe it. You can read it in, well, if you read it in, I think it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I should tell you what I'm talking about so you can. But the calling of Matthew. Or the tax collector. The tax collector, sometimes called Levi. But he was just a little background. The, I think the tax collectors were probably the most hated despise people in Jewish culture. They, If you were a tax collector, you were basically a traitor to your countrymen. You were a sellout. You were despised. Nobody liked you even, let alone loved you. <clears throat> they wouldn't consider, consider you part of the Jewish family. You really had no friends. Zero. And Not in the Jewish community. Maybe in the Roman community. And they used them. They didn't care about them either. They didn't no, like them. But they, they used them to collect money for them. Because they knew all the Jewish people and how much they made. They yeah. had the inside scoop on all the Jewish people, so they helped the Romans immensely. But, oh, man, what a hypocritical job to have to, to turn on your own countrymen like that. And to oppress them? Ah, Lord of mercy, what it, it doesn't get any lower than a tax collector. And of all the people that hated them the most was the Pharisees. And so they had this powerful, powerful presentation of the calling of Matthew. It involved maybe two words, but I think in The Chosen, it didn't even involve words. It was just a look. A look of acceptance. A look... I get choked up over this. Yes. A look that... I would say Matthew probably never got that accepted look of acceptance until Jesus, it says, looked at him in the tax collector's office, meaning... He's in the place doing the double-crossing, dirty dog work that he's, traitorous work that he's doing. And he looks at him with this look of acceptance and unconditional love that was summed up. And you can tell when someone looks at you that they despise you. And you can also tell him when someone looks at you, like your mom looks at you when you're a little kid and you're sick, you just have that, my mom's here, I'm, I'm good. That acceptance that we, we talked about, that unconditional love. And it says that Jesus, in the Bibles it says Jesus said, follow me. I think in the, the Chosen movie, they portrayed it. I'm trying to remember, but I don't even think he said anything. I think it was all in that look 
of unconditional acceptance and love. And you could definitely feel the love coming out of Jesus towards the tax collector. And what what do we do? I did it too, so I'm, I'm guilty. We say, God loves you. Make yourself lovable. God accepts you. Stop doing those things and do what's acceptable. Matthew was called, and in the Luke version, it says he left everything. It didn't say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Can I keep my job? Did Jesus tell him you can't keep that job, Matthew? No, he did what the rich young ruler couldn't do. (laughs) Yes, he couldn't follow Jesus had to say to the rich young ruler that that said, hey, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And he said, well, you've got to lay down all your riches and give them to the poor and follow me. Matthew did that just because of that look. Wow, I never caught that before. Mm -hmm. And whether Jesus said anything to Matthew in, in the Chosen series is... We're sitting here going, did he say something or didn't he? It was because the look of love was so outstanding. It just came out so much in the in the film. You, you could tell that Jesus loved Matthew, that, that he was sharing love with Matthew. Is it like that the Ephesians <clears throat> prayer? Strengthen you with power? We mm-hmm. just said how powerful this look of unconditional love and acceptance, this look of unconditional love, acceptance had the power to change Matthew's life. He just gave up everything. Everything. And he had a lot. He was a tax collector. He was rich. He was very well. Had everything he needed. A place to stay. He just walked away from his place to stay. Didn't even send his two-week notice. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. And the the thing is, is we can express that love. We can, and we can, we can experience that, that love. Uh, we don't have to be as bad off as Matthew, but Matthew had a need to be loved unconditionally, accepted unconditionally. Every single person on planet earth has that same need. And we will do anything to get that need met. We'll bully other people to get the the cool people in our school to like us and accept us. We'll do that. We'll say inappropriate jokes to get people to think we're cool and funny. We'll do drugs. We'll do whatever the cool kids do to, to because that, that need for acceptance and, and is so powerful. that's love that we're trying to get there. That's not even the pure love of God. Because we don't even know. Mm-mm. But we know there's something mm-hmm. i got to be accepted. Mm-hmm. i got to be loved. And yes. do anything. And Christ showed Matthew that love. The, the love was just in the scene itself. You could tell it was presence. The presence of love was there. And in our lives as Christians, 
we can't humanly manufacture that if we're trying to love the people around us they're just going to say no that that's hypocritical you don't really love me guy yeah I, I can tell you don't you nice try but i can see right through you but we as christians because we have the spirit of christ in us we can actually show a love that the people around us would go man that's gen genuine that it's real you, you you actually are showing me some real love i know that's what the little guy that adopted Layli, my wife, as her father, he adopted her because he saw a genuine love in her. And that's been seven years ago, and we can't get rid of them. Not that we'd want to, but Jack is there to stay in our lives probably forever because he saw a genuine love but it did not come from Lely as the source. It was the spirit of God in Lely that Jack saw, and he saw a perfect love, a real, genuine love, because it was the love of God through Lely, and each and every one of us have that inside of us if we'll just use it instead of our own effort to love the people around us. There is a difference and that's what these prayers are talking about that we would get the power to understand that difference because then we would rely on that love. I can't tell you how much it has benefited me to quit trying to love people and just ask God for his love for the people. And it was only because those prayers made me realize how wide and long and high and deep is God's love through me. Jesus, I've been reading since the beginning of the year. I started in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 1, 2. It's funny. He goes to these places he's moved with compassion and he begins healing people and then he, he casts out demons and he tells them not to tell anyone he doesn't want the notoriety the notoriety of people is not where he gets his love and acceptance and it's funny that i think it's in mark chapter two where he says he goes to peter's mother-in-law's house and she's sick and he heals her and she serves him and people start coming over and getting healed and then it says the whole city is there at that house seeing people get healed right and left and right and left and in the movie The Chosen they show Matthew at a distance because he's not accepted by anyone but he's watching from a distance and he sees what's going on this huge healing revival is going on and it goes on all night it says and it says the next day Jesus got away to himself with his father experiencing that love and acceptance that comes through just spending time with his alone with his father I think it's Peter and James I think go find him and they say everyone's looking for you his answer blows you away. He says, let's go on to another town. And that's so 
anti-counterintuitive. Is, is that a double counter? <laughs> it's, it's good you're describing it well. We would say, man, last night was awesome. Let's, let's, we got you scheduled for two healing sessions today. We put an ad on the radio. We're going to have TBN come and film it. Let's book ourselves for the next four days right here. The next four days, we're doing three sessions a day of healing. And uh, then we're going to get a manager and we're going to get an accountant. We're going to mm-hmm. um, get this thing going, get it organized. Mm-hmm. Revival. And what would someone that starved for affection and, and love and acceptance do? They would go, man, I got it. Five days a week. Mm-hmm. No. Six days a week. Twice a day. No. Let's do three times a day. Let's let's crank it out. And then we say, oh, the anointing is here. But the anointing is not there. The anointing is on the anointed one, Jesus. Wherever he goes, that's where the anointing is. And doesn't it say that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith? The anointing is where? In your heart. In your heart. He has poured out his love in our hearts. Shed abroad in our hearts. Through the Spirit. Does it matter what location you're in? The anointing not. wasn't at Peter's mother-in-law's house. It was because Jesus was there. And then Jesus went to another town. So the anointing was there. But that's why Jesus said, it's good that I go away. Because now the anointing will be in you, that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith, and you being rooted and established in this same love and acceptance that changed Matthew's life, you would have it, and you'd be able to comprehend something that you could never understand, and that's the height, depth, width, and length of the love of God, and to know this love, epinosis, that surpasses knowledge. And I know we touched on this earlier. I'm just going to bring it up again. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or think. To him be the glory and honor forever and ever in the church. That's just one prayer. And it's a prayer for the, I would say those are the two needs that every person on the planet needs. And even if you go to a secular counselor, They'll probably tell you the same thing, that you're doing things to be accepted. You're doing things to be loved. Unfortunately, they tell you to love yourself. What the world needs now. (laughs) Is Steve to get singing lessons? (laughs) No, no, but I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, isn't that what it says in 1 John chapter 4? It says that no one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is shown through us. His love is perfected in us. His love is shown through us. By this we know that we abide in him and not in our own human ability to love and he abides in us by the spirit he has given us. It's his love showing through us. If you've seen love, it says you have seen 
God, the God who abides in you. You just saw him when you see Steve showing love to somebody. You've actually seen God in Steve showing the love. And if we can get a hold of that and rely on God's love, we can love better, I would say. Yeah, and what's more practical than that? You're free. Once you know, once you epinosis the height, depth, width, and length of the love of God, you're free. You don't have to get that need met. And I would say it almost shipwrecked my marriage. It wasn't in real danger, but it definitely enhanced my marriage when I saw that that need was to be unconditionally loved and accepted came from God and not my wife. My wife was able to love me in a way that she could never love me before when I was demanding that she love me and accept me unconditionally. That is a good point, Bill. Say that again. When you get that need met that everyone has to be loved and accepted unconditionally you're free you don't have to depend or burden other people to love you and accept you that's what it says we love because he first loved us when we have that need met in us by him and only he can meet that need we're free to stick our neck out what's what's the saying we're free to be vulnerable to people we're, we're free to risk loving someone and be rejected. Jesus displayed this when the people that were crucifying him, scourging him, nailing him, putting spikes through his arms. He says, forgive them for they know not what they do. That is loving somebody who is totally rejecting you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No human can work up that kind of love. That is an agape love. What, what about having to, to love somebody who has rejected you and made you feel bad about yourself and somebody is telling you, hey, well, you still got to love that person. You've got to love him. And you're going, but I hate the guy. <laughs> go, go try and share your human love with that person. What would you do? Do you rely on your human love to go love that person? Or would you say, Lord, help me love that person. Love that person for me, through me. You do be the source of love to that person. Because otherwise, if you're trying to love that person, he's just going to go, man, I see through it. It's just an act. You don't really love me. I, You don't think I can see through it? But if by chance... God comes through and loves through you to that person, that person will say to you, oh my gosh, man, you, you actually are, are showing me love. As bad as I've been to you, you're showing me love and it's touching my heart. It is melting me right now. I, I, I don't want to be your enemy anymore. I will be your friend. You remember, and I think it was Hosea. You, you tell me where it was, where it said, 
that we'd be so blessed that people from 10 different nations would want to touch the hem of our garments because we're so blessed. We want to know your God. We want to know your God because we're showing so much love that they would just love to just touch the hem of our garments. I mean, they really want to be around us because such genuine love is manifesting itself out of us, at, out of us, that, that they, can't, they can't walk away. They, it's they have irresistible. They, it's good, good word, Bill. Good word. Irresistible. And it's like, like you said, you made a great point. I remember I put that burden on my wife one time. She, she had a friend. I hope they don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> Her name was Alice. <laughs> but this friend did some pretty bad things. And I sat there just full of myself and pride. And I said, you just got to forgive her. <laughs> And so uh, I was wiping the blood off my face. And uh, <laughs> I never forget her answer. She said, I can't. <laughs> and she couldn't. Couldn't. Can't humanly do it. But she did. But it wasn't her going, clenching her fists and saying, I'm just going to do the right thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive her. I'm going to love her. It was, and she told me this. She just got a revelation of how much God loved her and how much God accepted her. And that opens you up to, like it says, we love because he first loved us. When you get that basic need met for unconditional love and acceptance, man, you're free. You, you don't have to force that need out of people. You can forgive people that did you really, really wrong. And it's only the love of God that can forgive people who have really, really done us wrong. You've got to remember that this has got to be an established fact in a new covenant believer's mind about their own human nature. It's nothing more than a self-preservative instinct it is always trying to keep itself alive. And when somebody does you wrong, you're naturally going to avoid and, and feel the danger that that person produces because you're finite. You're a self-preservative instinct that is going to die and has to preserve itself. The love of God is not finite. It's infinite. That's why he said... He would show you this immeasurable love. It's not measurable. It's infinite love. So if somebody does you wrong, that love can forgive them because it will live forever. They can't hurt that love. So you love people from the standpoint of that infinite spirit that is within you not from the standpoint of your human nature, which is finite and has to avoid 
those people. It can't forgive and it can't love because it has to preserve itself. So you have to love from the divine nature, the nature of God who is immortal and lives forever. That is where your source of love comes from. And I hope we can just get that understanding about how finite and self-preservative our human nature is and how infinite and never has to worry about preserving itself our divine nature is. And just with that thought, it helps us understand the uh, why the importance for receiving a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can comprehend this love is. And with that in mind, I might ask Bill to pray one of these prayers if he so chooses. Yeah, I'd be glad to. There's one in Philippians 1, 9, and it reads, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. That's our prayer for you guys at the Guardians of Grace, the Dog Pound. Amen. Amen. That you'd be filled with the fruit of righteousness that only comes through Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, etc. We, we always pray for you that you would be filled with that fruit and not be on the performance treadmill, you guys. We love you, as always. And we say good night. Good night, you guys. We love you.